Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. And today we have not a special guest, but special guests. Our first almost full band interview and our first post-rock interview, Signal Hill. Woo! Hey, gentlemen. We've got Rishi Aurora, guitarist. And we've we've got Tim Cooper. Uh, Tim, you're the drummer, right? I am. Okay, we've got Tim Cooper on drums, and we've got Brian Basalo, bassist. I'm here. Hey, so how's everybody doing today? Everyone answer at once. Go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, first, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for joining. Uh, we're giving our first full band interview a try, and you know what? It's an honor to have you guys here uh, as our first post-rock interview, because Tommy and I are ravenous ravenous post-rock fans and i've wanted to i've wanted to have a post-rock interview so you guys are the first how does it feel awesome it's an honor yeah yeah it's it's great to be here thanks so much for reaching out and thinking of us oh yeah absolutely so you know we're living in crazy crazy times right i've i've pretty much been in lockdown since uh early march whenever they closed down like all the bars and restaurants here in new york city um tommy same for you right you're i'm working from home you're working from home i'm actually my last day of school was yesterday i'm done oh good i'm still i'm still writing i'm still writing math curriculum right now for a couple schools but um no i'm actually not physically i I don't have to teach anymore during the day hooray all right (laughs) well i'm i'm gonna outsource most of the podcast work to you starting today (laughs) so i need you to learn audio engineering and uh, promotion? At, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, audience, get ready for a phenomenal drop in quality immediately. <laughs> Be prepared. So I, I like to see where everybody's at in in this crazy, crazy world we're living in, in now. Let's start with Rishi. What what is your now, Rishi? You moved to the UK from New York City, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I've um, been out in London since uh, 2014. So yeah, just over five years now. And what, why did you move there? Um, it's uh, mostly like a personal reason. So my, my wife, uh, my now wife, uh, her and I were just dating at the time. And I was living in New York. And she's actually from Greece. So we were doing like a long distance New York to, to Greece relationship until uh, I think it was like a couple of years. And we finally decided like, hey, we got to move to the same city finally. And London was kind of in the middle. So. So we made it here, and uh, we've since got married. So, yeah, we've been here for a while. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. How, how long have you been in the relationship? Um, we started dating in 2012. So, yeah, I think it's, I guess, about eight years. And has it been long distance that whole time? It was long distance, like, the first, first couple of years, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because um, I've done long distance, and uh it's very difficult it's very difficult but i think it depends on the relationship really and the and the dynamic of the two people yeah definitely i think it kind of it made it easy because we were already living in separate cities like from the beginning and so kind of like the objective was always like let's plan the next trip to see each other and then 
the objective became like, let's plan when we're going to move to the same city together. So we were kind of like always working towards that thing, which, which I think helped us. But. Yeah. So what do you do for your day job and what does your life look like day to day in the age of Corona? <laughs> um, so I'm a graphic designer for my day job. I uh, work at like a, a marketing technology company and just do some design for, for them, some like uh, on-site email design and uh, that kind of thing, um, website design. Um, and yeah, just been working from home through all of this. Um, yeah, been very fortunate uh, to be able to have my job throughout the lockdown. So yeah, and my wife and I have both been working from home. So it's been hanging in there. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. I I, I love the, the solitariness of it, you know, because mostly everything I do, I can just do from home. But I need that dose of people to, to keep myself sane because, because yeah. I isolate too much. I got to go out. I got to get my fill of people and keep myself balanced. So I'm looking forward to, to that happening again at some point. Definitely. So, Tim, Tim, where, where do you live? You're, you live in Los Angeles, right? Yep. I've uh, been here since the band started back in, I think it was 2004, mm -hmm. uh, originally from northern New York. And that's when I kind of fell into the hardcore scene north of Syracuse is where I grew up but yeah I've been out uh, in LA since 2002 now I guess and why did you move out to LA um, I wanted to get out of my small hometown of Messina New York uh, not much going on although I love the place and went to college in Arizona and uh, grew up uh, a skateboarder and always dreamt of the uh, west coast and uh, sun and skate spots everywhere year-round. And so I just kept heading west until I hit the ocean, which is just down the street. Nice, <laughs> nice. So you, yeah, so you made the big move because, you know, typically if you're fr uh, from northern New York, you'll move to New York City or maybe Philly or something like that. But you, you went all the way across the country. I did, yep. Always been one to explore and reach farther. I like that. So what do you do for your day job, and how are you holding up in life of quarantine? Well, um, I, I get stir-crazy kind of easy because I love the outdoors and just moving and, you know, exploring, zooming around and everything from backpacking, rock climbing, surfing, whatever. So it's kind of strange. Uh, so I've been immersed in trying to make music and reading a lot. Um, but uh, my wife and I, we both have been working from home uh, through all this. Um, and so my, my day job, I work at Yamaha. And so I help, uh, I help support users of our um, almost everything, basically, from electric guitars to electronic drums, acoustic drums, um, and then some like uh, audio equipment as well, some of the basic mixers. Um, so. Uh, tech support, I guess you could say, but it's cool. I meet so many uh, awesome musicians with great ideas, and uh, yeah, one. Oh well, I'm I'm prone to tangents, so I, I won't go too deep. But, but you're yeah, gonna yeah. you're gonna love Tommy. Then he is the tangent king. Yo, I was just gonna say Messina, and I, I looked it up. It's like you're on the border of Canada, and as soon as I see upstate New York, all I want to do is talk to you about skateboarding and lacrosse. So I'm like, ah, oh, never mind. I'll, just, I'll let it go. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get to some of that. But Tim, it's got to be great to to still be working in music, you know, during the day when you're not doing the band because you know, for me, my job is extremely corporate. So 
it it doesn't match my personality really. Oh, I've been there for ages, and actually until not too long ago. So now I feel like I have a more comfortable home in line with you know my life goals, etc. Yeah, that's my that's my secret dream with with my new life that I'm living is that I hope like I somehow segue to a career doing something that I enjoy a little more. But uh, in the meantime, my my company's great. The people I work with are great, and you know it's it pays the bills, so it's all good. I have faith you will. Thank you. That that <laughs> feels good. <laughs> and last but not least, Brian, uh, Brian, where do you also live in California? I do. I live in Los Angeles. Um, I'm the guy that never left, actually. So I um, I grew up here. Uh, you know, went to college here. Uh, laid roots here. I tried to leave, but um, yeah, I just <laughs> never really found like the opportunity or, or work that took me out of the city. So uh, when the band started, I was, I think, like just finishing college. And so, you know, the timing also, I, I think Signal Hill also for me was like, kind of like a part reason they even kind of just stay. So, yeah. Well, uh, that's a good reason. Plus, I mean, you that's what you do. You move to one of the coasts. So if you're from Los Angeles, like, why leave? I mean, it's a good place to be, right? Yeah, if I if I left, it would have been along the coast, um, you know, just maybe further north or something. Like Seattle was an option. It's, it's yeah. still kind of an option. And then, uh, I mean, I'd love to do something international like Rishi, but, I, you know, I, I don't have a Greek girlfriend, so... But, um, <laughs> not yeah, not yet, at least. Me. Yeah, not yet. I mean, I try, but she's my, she's my wife now, bro. Oh yeah, my bad, my bad. Um, <laughs> hey man, I I miss LA a lot. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. I yeah, I I miss being out there. So for what it's worth, <laughs> Brian, how are you holding up in quarantine? And what is uh what what is your day job? Yeah, so uh, as far as holding up in the quarantine, um. I'm doing all right. I mean, a little like Tim, I, I do get a little stir crazy. I have dogs, so I going outside isn't an issue. And I was one of those ones that was like, you know, I'll just walk along the beach or something like that. Kind of just, you know, do anything to kind of like make an excuse to get out. You know, just keep a safe distance, wear a mask, yada, yada. Um, but I will say that I do miss just like, yeah, like that just going to like, you know, like I work in downtown Los Angeles, which is like kind of like our big, like iconic, like urban area where it's all concentrated. So going to a bar there, or like hanging out with people there, or I love going to restaurants. It's like that can't happen anymore. And that bums me out. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, as far as like work goes, like, you know, I do like working from home, but I do have like a small team that I enjoy kind of just like powwowing with like once in a while, like just if I envision hopefully like if things get back to somewhat normal, like just, you know, going into the office maybe a couple days a week and then coming back out and working from home as much as I can. So that'd be ideal for me. Yeah, that that is ideal. I I usually only go into the office one day a week, if that. And yeah. I'm I would like to transition just to working from home. Uh yeah. pretty much all the time. I mean, that's the way to go. Yeah, totally. I, I so I do work in the nonprofit world. I work for United Way. And the pandemic has been sort of kind of like the topic of a lot of our fundraising because in LA, and I mean, most major cities, actually, there's just like, you know, a poverty line and like, this is totally affecting everybody. It's like starting a recession and stuff. So we're fundraising to help those that need it. Um, so that's kind of like where my work has been going. So like my life 
is just pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. <laughs> like, you know, Oh man. Yeah. yeah like I, I don't even, I don't even get to like escape the words um, and like what we're all living. So that's the sad part about it. <laughs> yeah. I I've kind of buried my head in the sand a little bit as far as, as far as pandemic news goes, because it, I don't know, I just get overwhelmed easily. But I'm I'm taking all the precautions, you know, and plus my girlfriend, like, she likes to read all the headlines, so she'll fill me in on the important stuff. But, you know, I think it's important to just do the stuff that they're saying that to do that'll help. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, you Clorox the groceries off when you bring them in, all that stuff, and we're doing that. See, I go back and forth with it, though. Now, like, I, I hear so many conflicting things about, like, now they're saying, like, you can't, it's, like, nearly impossible to get it from surfaces. Like, I... I that's why I kind of like steered away from kind of the news because you get all these conflicting kind of things about like what it is, how it's transmitted. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to take all the precautions and be okay with that. Like, exactly. Exactly. Because you, know, you see conflicting things every day. Like it's airborne. It's not airborne. Yeah. It drives me insane. Yeah. The latest, the funniest is getting it from the, what is it? The cellular network. So. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it's not a thing, but that's yeah. someone's trying to make it a thing. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. 5G. 5G's giving it to you, bro. That's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> oh my I'm, God. Putting, I'm putting my chips on that, you know, <laughs> where it's coming from. Um, yeah, but I wear an a, a aluminum foil uh, helmet every time I'm on the phone, so I'm totally protected. I'm going to start doing that. That's a good idea. So I'm always I'm always curious about everyone's musical trajectory. So I want to start from the top again and see where everybody came in uh, musically. Did we start with emo? Did we start with hardcore? Did we start somewhere else? So Rishi, give it to me. Okay, yeah. So um, let's see. I think I, I started piano lessons at a really uh, early age when I was four. Well, so, it's going way back. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> started with classical, I guess. Um, nice. This is this is full trajectory from launch pad to current orbit. Rishi's going all the way back. Yeah, wherever you want to start, it's cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, classically trained on the piano, but then really kind of um, made some headway when I when I uh, started playing guitar. My brother actually taught me how to play guitar. Um, and I never really had any guitar lessons other than what my brother taught me and then just kind of ran with it. Um, piano was great, but I think it kind of, it didn't really make any sense until I, I think it was just because I was, I was being told what to play, like going to piano lessons and being like, here, play this, learn this or whatever. And I, I didn't really, it didn't really like grow into something for me until I just started like playing my own stuff, like playing what I wanted to play kind of thing. Um, yeah. once I, you know, started like writing my own songs when I was a kid that I think it really kind of just took it from there. Um, but in terms of like musical tastes, I've been all over the board, man. Like my brother and sister were living in the UK when I was really young and they spoon fed me all this Brit pop and it was in the nineties. So I listened to a lot of blur and Oasis and Radiohead growing up. Yes. Um, yeah. And, um, even, I don't know, some like clash and Led Zeppelin, um, and I think I, I tried to kind of like emulate Jimmy Page's guitar playing when I was in high school. And then I think, I think I heard a Death Cab song. Um, it was from We Have the Facts and We're Voting Yes. Um, the song is called Title Track. And uh, before I heard that, I was listening to a lot of old music at the time, like, like Led Zeppelin, Yes, like what I was saying, Pink Floyd. And then I heard that Death Cab track and I was like, oh my gosh, this, it like blew my mind. It's like, oh my gosh, there's like so much, or there's like, current music out there that is like 
really amazing and it changed my life um for sure that one album changed my life um and the rest kind of just grew from there um in terms of like the signal hill post-rock kind of thing i think the the band that really did it for me was tristeza mm-hmm. um and i got into them pretty soon after i heard that death cab song so back in 2002 um when jimmy laval was still jimmy laval from the album leaf was still in tristeza at the time and that's kind of my first kind of foray into post-rock that's awesome. Yeah, see, I started out in in hardcore, like I would only listen to hardcore, and then I got into more of the classic emo stuff, Texas is the Reason, Promise Ring, all that, and then I pretty much only listened to that. And I had a post-rock explosion in 2006 that never ended. It's still going on, and Mogwai kicked that off when they released Mr. Oh, yeah. Beast. So cool. that was like my my come to post rock moment. Uh, yeah, but nice. we'll we'll get in we'll get into some more of that. Uh Tim, how about you? Give us your trajectory. Oh yeah. Um kind of similar to Rish actually. I I got into piano young and um influence from uh from my mom. She was a pianist and drum major even. And uh I didn't really take to it too well. I mean, apparently I could read music before English, but uh, same as Rish mentioned, I, ha- I had a, a you know piano teacher told me what to play, and I wasn't really digging the music, and I it kind of turned me off, and uh, and then I discovered the drums, and um, had a teacher in the sixth grade who was like, "Here's a drum set we just got in the cafeteria up on stage, and after school, if you just want to bang on it, you can do it." And uh, there's no right or wrong, just play. And so I kind of fell in love with the drums and never turned back. Um, dang, now I'm uh, losing my train of thought. Musical trajectory, yeah. So did the whole school band thing and learned a lot about classical music. And then uh, my mom had a lot of uh, blues and uh, honky-tonk kind of background that influenced me. And, um, and then started... Um, through skateboarding, found out about hardcore when I was, uh, you know, middle school, early high school. And, uh, and my brother, my older brother was into like Iron Maiden and some of these types of bands and then really turned me on to like heavier stuff. And then with that kind of palette mixed with all these new little bands around Northern New York that I was learning of, um, yeah, started playing in uh, hardcore bands in the early 90s and touring around and even through college a bit and uh, discovered, similar um, to you, discovered emo and kind of uh, like Texas is the reason you mentioned that was a big one that kind of turned me, yes. maybe mellowed me out. Um, and from there, and uh, undercurrent and all of this was jazz. Like uh, I, I started getting into jazz when I was young and playing jazz drums in high school. So that was kind of influencing uh my playing early on i guess um but yeah after college there was a couple bands that popped up that had this very different sound that i hadn't heard uh the cancer conspiracy they only put out a couple quick albums and then cinematic orchestra very different bands you know outside of everything i've mentioned but they really turned me on to like bigger ideas uh kind of more creative storytelling in music and uh yeah, ever since then, it's kind of been everything. Still digging deep uh, in classical and in jazz. And um, yeah, I don't 
honestly don't listen to post-rock. I didn't even know what it was. Signal Hill started, we started playing, and some folks started labeling us post-rock, and I was like, I, I guess so. Is that what we are? I don't know, but uh, yeah, just uh, that's the trajectory. Nice. Yeah, and you know, I think post-rock and classical and jazz are all linked there there there's a lot of similarities i always call post-rock like the modern classical because and the thing i like about it is it it can just you know you don't need words like the you the songs say so much sometimes i can tell what a song is about just by hearing it Uh, it's like i can almost hear words without there being any words and that's why i get annoyed when like people don't get it or they're like well there's no lyrics and i'm like there doesn't fucking need to be lyrics man listen to this like it stands on its Mm -hmm. own yeah can i tell you a quick story about that please do so we started playing together as a band um because we really just we had a lot of bands that were commonalities that were that we loved um but we really just enjoyed each other's company and playing our instruments and we would just jam. And then what I like to say, you guys, Brian Rish, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but we kind of just started playing music for fun. And then people would sit in at rehearsals and be like, oh, you guys should uh, play shows. And we're like, huh? And so we started <laughs> playing shows and people were like, hey, where can I get your music? And we're like, what music? You guys should record. And we're like, huh? Okay. <laughs> so Very we cool. started recording and then, um, yeah, it just kind of kept going. But in, in those early years, um, so many people would be asking us, "Whoa, when are you going to get a singer? I think you guys are ready. Or like people would email us and dub their vocals over our songs and be like, hey, check this out. What do you think? I could audition. We're like, no, wow. no that's, that's yeah. not our goal. And we entertained the idea early on and quickly we're like, I don't think we need that. We just are having a great time doing what we're doing. Why, you know, add a completely different dynamic to the mix? Yeah, we, we flirted with like vocals and I remember just thinking to myself, like we, we would just be jamming so much and having so much fun doing that. Like we just forget to like sing sometimes <laughs> and like just, you know, like, you know, you would like as you would with like most bands with vocals, it's just kind of like hum something or come up with any words that fit. And but we'd just be jamming so much and getting into the intricacy of it all that like we would just, you know, hey, this is a lot more fun. And uh, yeah, just just as Tim said, like it just kind of progressed from there. And uh, vocals was actually like, you know, like we weren't like completely like going into it thinking that we were just going to shut it all out. But it just kind of like got left behind. So it sounds like things just kind of happened. It's it's not like, hey, we're into post rock and we're going to start a post rock band. It's like, no, we're jamming and this is it. We might have vocals. We might not. But it ended up happening. Not Yeah. I kind of, yeah, I want to make a, a point just about, because um, I tie a lot of stuff to visual art as well, just through my work, and I'm just really into to art in general. And I think, um, like, my favorite type of art is something that is abstract, that doesn't tell you face value, like, this This is a painting of a person sitting, you know, sitting in their living room or whatever, but it's, it's just something, like, a- abstract that the viewer has to kind of just think about it and take it in themselves. And it's a, it's a bit more challenging in that regard, but like, um, it's, I think it, you know, it's, it just allows the the viewer to kind of, um, add meaning to it themselves. And that interaction is really important. And so I, I kind of think back to like music and what we do, and it's kind of the same way where it's like, this, this is what we're doing. And like, we're not telling you exactly what it is. Um, it's just something that you need to fill in the gaps for yourself. And in that way, you're kind of, 
I think the 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 user or the end user or whatever is like you know um, engages with it a lot more. I feel like. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I like to think about it a little bit. I don't like when it's very plainly laid out for me. Like I think about a lot of older like emo or pop punk bands, and the lyrics would literally be like. I really like this girl and she didn't like me. And sometimes I think about when she laughed and it didn't work out and I wish that it did. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, give me some nuance, bro. Come on. So, oh, and Brian. Oh, wait, I lost track of where I was. The musical influence. Yes, Brian, give it to us. Trajectory. Yeah, trajectory. Um, So I actually grew up in a house with a piano. Uh, My mom really wanted me to learn how to play. Uh, But it, like, you know, it didn't take to me either. I remember even the piano teacher apparently telling my mom, like, she couldn't teach me. She was just like, no, it's not for him. And so, um, yeah, I didn't really have uh, a musical instrument as a kid until, like, I would say seventh grade. You know, you just end up in an elective. And, um, you know, I just picked up the saxophone because it's just, like, you know, middle school band. And, like, the music that I was listening to at the time was just, like, you know, stuff that would be, like, on K-Rock, so, like, your radio rock. Um, which was like a lot of alternative at the time. Um, I'd listen to some hip hop actually, like I was into that, but you know, you're just kind of finding yourself. I didn't have an older brother or sister um, or much of a musical influence outside of just like what my parents listened to. Um, And so, yeah, like when um, I got into middle school, you just meet these friends and, and my group of friends were just like a bunch of punk rockers. And so I listened to like a lot of punk rock uh, when I was younger and uh but i was playing the saxophone so i had my mom for my birthday like take me out to buy a guitar i had no idea what i was buying um so i was like a salesman's dream just like this young <laughs> kid they're just like at guitar center like sales guys just like got his fangs into me like you're gonna need this and you're gonna need that like you know he just sold me on everything um and yeah like i would just noodle around on the guitar for a while i took a couple lessons but nothing like you know nothing really consistent um And then I would say in high school, like, you know, just full on into punk rock, but I got into like hardcore through a band called Strife and then uh, listened to like some hardcore and it just went down like a deep like dive into hardcore music. And then I even got into like a hardcore band um, and played through that from like high school on to like college even. But there's not a lot of straight edge hardcore kids in LA, in like central LA, believe it or not, um, at the time. And so... Uh, for me, like, you know, just kind of trying to find like, you know, other musicians to play with and, and yada, yada. But, um, you know, like, yeah, I was like pretty deep into like, you know, the hardcore scene here in LA, like, which was mainly Orange County. So like all the shows were like out in like Huntington Beach all, all the way out to like Corona and such, um, and got pretty like inset into that scene. But with, with the, how I got into this band, I mean, like with like hardcore music, you know, everyone just starts flirting with everything else. Like yep. some hardcore band member ends up in an emo band. Right. Um, you know, so we'd all listen to like Texas is the reason or something. And then, um, and then from emo, you know, like it would just go into like, you know, I guess instrumental at some point, like, like I did get in, I did like eventually hear some Mogwai and, and, um, this will destroy you. And, mm-hmm. and, um, explosions in the sky and they all had like that kind of just like heavy heavy like guitar riffs that like just kind of you know melded well with uh hardcore music but the the interesting thing i would say how we all kind of got into this band was like i remember being into like some of the san diego hardcore stuff like impel and stuff and and uh 
And I think I got into Tristeza also because like of Swing Kids, like one of the members of Tristeza was in Swing Kids. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I picked up on the Tristeza. And I was just like, what the hell is this? Like, there's no, like, it's kind of like emo-ish, but it, like, I'm getting that emo feeling out of it, but I'm not like hearing any words. And I just remember like loving it. And Tristeza was just definitely, Beautiful. it was definitely a band for me for like it, for uh, instrumental music. Yeah. Um, as well. So yeah. And then like Death Cab for me, like that's how I kind of like, I think got along well with Rishi too, was I discovered Death Cab like when I met him and, um, you know, so it was all like new to me, but he, he was definitely the expert. And, um, and then when we, uh, started off as a band, there's a joke that Dave was here, he would definitely lay into me about it. Like, so Craigslist is like how some people find musicians, right? Yes. I have, like three different postings out there like one looking for a punk band to play in one looking for a hardcore band to play in and then one looking for like just like an emo band to play in or something i I think i think dave picked up on he actually found the hardcore post and then he but he answered the emo post and i think that's how we all kind of like like met up yeah it was brian brian you and i met on craigslist and then yeah yeah and then i think we then we had a session, like a jam session with Dave. And then I think after that, he like saw your other hardcore posts and like realized it was like, wait, this is the same guy that like. Yeah. Cause he, it was format that I just jammed with. But. Yeah. <laughs> just changed like the words, like just changed the bands. Like, but it was like the same yeah, wording. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I remember Rishi's post. Yeah. Like, you had some classic rock in there. I'm like, what's all that? And then I just kind of like, <laughs> like focused in on all like the death cap. You had like all kinds of different music. I think you were just looking for people to play with. But I remember the, you did have like the Shins and Death Cab, and I was like, "Oh, I know those bands." And then I was like, "What's Yes?" And I was like, "I'm not into that." Like, <laughs> but yeah, so that's how Rishi and I met too. So nice, yeah. I I put a band together in 2017, and we we put out one EP before we broke up, and I found our drummer on Craigslist. So the the Craigslist community is still thriving. I never had any luck on Reddit. Uh, I only found people through Craigslist. Can I tell a quick Craigslist slash uh, instrumental rock story? Please do. Um, so it's short. Yes. Uh, just because we're on the, the Craigslist bands, I think in the early 2000s, there was a ton of bands that grew from uh, findings on Craigslist. Uh, Signal Hill and uh, also our, our longtime sister band, Beware of Safety. Um, we all kind of formed around the same time and we toured together a lot. And there was, there was a point, and this is back to, you know, listening to jazz and classical, you just are completely comfortable with no vocals. It's just music stands on its own and it's great. And a lot of people, and it still surprises me, but there's people out there that have no concept of music without vocals. And we were on tour with Beware of Safety in a van. I think there was nine or ten of us um, all in the van, um, just the two bands. And we got stopped by a cop. I forget why. It was just like some security check that everyone was getting stopped. And the cop looks in and is like, what are all you guys doing? And we're like, well, we're a couple bands on tour. And immediately he goes, which one are you the singer? And we all kind of start laughing at the same time. He's like, what? <laughs> and we're like, well, we don't have singers. And he's like, nine of you in the van and not one of you can sing? <laughs> it, was, it was such a funny moment. But uh, yeah, Craigslist for the win. So is is that how Signal Hill came together? We found each other on Craigslist and started to, to piece it together? So, so you have half the puzzle with uh, Rishi and Brian. 
And, um, and then Dave, if you want to bring in how Dave came along, because uh, Dave um, brought me into the fold. I had met him briefly at a skate park in Arizona, because Dave's from Arizona. And, uh, and then we, we were kind of in touch. We had a few mutual friends uh, in the music scene. Uh, but I didn't know Dave very well at all. I just had skated with him once or twice and knew he was a cool kid and whatever. So moved to L.A. and then uh, and then I got a, a a call from Dave. Was like, hey, I I uh, have been jamming with some folks and I think you might dig it if you want to uh, come bring your drums and we can play. And uh, yeah, that was that was how I got brought in. And um, I could tell um, we were all trying to find out who we were as a, as a collective, like what our direction was. And, uh, you know, that continues still today, like any good band should keep uh, evolving. But, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was like, uh, the wild west. I'm like sitting down at the drums thinking, why am I here? Oh, I just want to make music. So why, why is everyone else here and what are we doing? And it was, it was fantastic. Um, can you guys remind, um, how you met up with Dave? Was it also Craigslist? Yeah. Oh, so, I think you said that, but you guys all practiced together a few times before yeah, me, right? Yeah, like um, Brian, Brian and I had a, quite a few jam sessions, um, just us, and we were, I think we were jamming with a couple other guys as well. Um, but then him and I kind of stuck together, and then... Um, Those other guys started a band without us, actually. <laughs> That's an interesting story, yeah. Dave had a, a MySpace page for his Elegant Elephant project, I think. And it was kind of the yeah. same kind of like twinkly guitar kind of thing. And um, Brian, did he hit you up? I think he like hit you up or somehow like we, we found his, his MySpace page. And then we were like, oh, we got to jam with this guy. Yeah, he like, um, he answered my Craigslist ad. So, uh, and then I kind of went back and forth with him. And then I remember just reaching out to you because like you, it was like already like the end of summer, I think. Uh, when Dave hit me up and then I hit you up and you had just gotten back to USC. So um, it was like your first weekend back. I do remember when you sent me his MySpace page though. And I heard the elegant elephant project he was working on. I was like, Oh my God, this is like exactly what I want to play. Like this is cause it had that oh, yeah. interest as a vibe. And I was, I got like really excited and I was like, Oh, we got to jam with this guy. Yeah. It was funny cause Dave didn't have a guitar amp and so I had to like find him a guitar amp. And I think I ended up like borrowing uh somebody's amp and then i remember i think like later on like at a show without our one of our first like house party shows like the one of dave's friends like i guess kind of knew me or something like that or i forget what but like there was something about like the amp that i borrowed for dave to use was actually one of dave's friends or something like that yeah the, i still have amps i borrowed from friends like that are just at my house. I guess they're mine now. It's been a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. hold on to it. So the, think, the, the yeah. first material that you guys wrote, is that the, the songs that appear on your 2007 self-titled EP? No. Nope. So there was some earlier stuff, huh? Oh, yeah, the paper bag the paper demo. Bag, paper bag sessions, yes. Yeah. Tell us yeah, about those. And, oh, man. Those, those uh, are pretty funny. Well, one of the guys that I was friends with, um, he's, he, I, I had jammed with uh, my buddy Nicholas, who I worked at a coffee shop with, and he had some fantastic ideas. Um, he had like more of a classic rock kind of Stones background. Um, but we would kind of uh, jam here and there. And then I think we brought Nicholas in um, 
maybe how did that happen you'd think after 16 years i would get this story straight you and um dave and nick used to nicholas used to jam oh yeah it was with but dave like, before like, you yeah, yeah like stash uh brian's nickname is stash by the way um stash and i um never jammed with nicholas okay so yeah. nicholas helped dave and i um kind of develop a concept for a song that ended up on our, our Signal Hill demo that we kind of expanded on and retooled. Um, it was called Nicholas the Dictator with an emphasis on the dick. Because um, <laughs> I knew you guys wanted to know that. And uh, so, yeah, we had uh, another friend um, named uh, Danny Bullets, a friend of Dave, who was a, a shredder on guitar. And yeah. he uh, influenced the title of... Uh, uh, one track along with minus the bear because we would write songs and name parts after concepts from other records we knew um yeah i've yeah. done that in bands like uh w you know when when, you, when we're first writing they'll be like botch song uh hum yeah, yeah, song yeah. like yeah that's yeah, how had, before they have a name yeah like one one of those songs uh tim the danny bullets with the name was called danny yeah. bullets but the full title was um it was two primos, eight emos, add the bear, and in walks Danny Bullets. Yeah, because the bear. Because <laughs> there was like an emo part, and then like the pre-emo part, and then like the part that sounded like minus the bear, and then like Danny Bullets, which was like the name of the song. Yeah. And Keith, uh, you mentioned botch. I have, a, I have a botch interview I did in maybe 96 or 9, no, maybe 97 um that i've never put out i don't know if you want it oh dude i mean i'm drooling right now they're like one of my all-time <laughs> favorite bands yes we if you would if you would like us to publish that on the northeast scene we absolutely will oh yep i got it on micro cassette because that's what we did back then awesome we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll definitely put that up on our youtube channel yeah that and uh, some show footage i used to record shows a lot when i was in college yeah we i, I was always walking around with the eight millimeter we love we love all that stuff yeah i had a huge collection of high eight tapes all the shows uh we filmed from our hometown back in the day that ended up in the trash because i took too long to go pick them up and that's kind of how this whole thing started it's redemption to myself for th all those tapes getting thrown out so now we we have some good documentation going on Giving back to the scene. We always have to yeah. give back to the scene. What you deprived of it by throwing on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one, one thing, because you were asking about those like early songs, one thing I did want to mention. So like the songs before that, like 2007 EP, um, so these like paper bag demos, we're, we're definitely still trying to figure out what we were doing. And they're pretty raw. Um, I remember not using a delay pedal. I had no pedals at the time, except for a tuner. Um, and so the guitar is just super raw. And I remember we, we would like write meandering parts. Like the songs would meander a lot for sure. Right guys. Wait, was I still using a double pedal? Did I have two more pedals than three more with a hi-hat? Rishi, I think I had three pedals and you had none. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, your, set we, was, uh, your set was more decked out for sure back then. Oh yeah. It was called the spaceship. We definitely had great songs that like we would just like have this like walk up part and we're like, what are we gonna do next? And we like would go backwards. We're like, all right, let's walk okay. back down. It's like we're the same part but backwards. And then like looking back, it's like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. Speaking of so like we fulfilled the demo too with like we did like a, a Rishi was at USC and he got us like an interview slash we played live um on the radio show yeah. there and we mm -hmm. just stuck it on the demo. And so we have this whole live set on the demo too. 
with an interview and uh tim for some reason in like the middle of our like live set goes into like character and starts speaking like like with a coffee oh, accent I and forgot. it just goes on for like five minutes and you could just hear like the laughter of like the radio staff just going like, yeah, what dude. the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. What the hell was I doing? I kind of remember that now. I think it was because like some of us had to tune. And so like we just, instead of having like a, a weird, like one minute long, like tuning session in silence, like you just decided that like do some improv. <laughs> I was like the hype. I was like the hype man. I was the band's hype man with some sort of character and accent. I don't know where that came from. We used to use those Hulk Hogan samples, like at the beginning, at the end of sets or whatever. And then there, there's oh, yeah. still some like like dead space that we didn't have. So yeah, he must have done something like that. Well, way to step up. Yeah, I, I was always the mouthpiece, whether or not I should have been, because I was mm. desperate for attention at all times, and usually drunk <laughs> or high. So I, I, you know, just getting me near the mic was always a disaster. So the, I first got turned on to you guys. My friend Tommy, my co-host here, gave me a, a mix CD. So I'm dating myself here. And Signal Hill was on it. It was the song Los Federales from the, the 2007 EP. People love that track. Dude, it's so, you know what I like about Signal Hill? It's, it's so upbeat because everything I listen to is like pretty moody to a degree. And uh, like... Like, I always cringe. Like, when I'm making dinner with my girlfriend, she'll be like, do you want to put on music? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Do I pick hardcore <laughs> or moody post-rock or, hip- or hip-hop or songs about wanting to do drugs and kill yourself? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but, like, Signal Hill is the one band, I think the only band I can put on every time, and it's, like, it's a hit. It's cool. It's nice. It's upbeat. Oh, wow. it's, cool. it's, it's just pleasant music. My daughters love it. I've I've twin six year olds and they every time they was they they call it daddy's music. Like, Daddy, put on your music, as opposed That's to like fantastic. daddy's. They they don't they don't like my other music. Any of the other music, they're like, is that the one where the guy yells? I'm like, yeah. They're like, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, it's funny, oh, Keith. Awesome. That Signal Hill didn't even come from me. Signal Hill came from. I, I mean, I may have put it on a mix for you. Uh, Riley found them. Uh, uh, a mutual a mutual friend of ours, the kid I played lacrosse with in college. Uh, he found you guys. Um, and I, honestly, I don't even. I think it was. I worked at the radio station in college, and my friend um, Chris used to come with me. And he was just poking around one day, and he found that CD, and he was like, "Yo, put this on." And because his family is uh, primarily from California, and he recognized. He goes, "Oh, Signal Hills. A, I think it's a city in California. Toss this on." And I was like, "All right." And I think that was the first track we because I think Los Federales is the the second track on that CD. Yeah, and I, and I remember yeah. I, I was just like I skipped through it and I was like, all right, this sounds good. Just put this on, and both of us were like blown away. But that's it came from Riley. Track yeah. two is always the best track on a CD. Whenever I listen to a new album, I always go <laughs> right to track two, like every time. Oh, there's for sure a, a major label formula, and you can find all really? sorts of documents oh yeah for sure oh. track two two three four um and then usually second to last yeah i always um, i you know i do that with tv shows because i always think about like when they have t- like if i'm starting a new tv show that's not like serialized so like it doesn't matter what order you watch them in i always try to watch the first season like the first episode and then the, the season like the closer because like use typically those are the strongest ones. Wait, like wait, 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 wait. One. hold on a second. You're, this, you're, is, this is Travis. You're right telling here. me you you only <laughs> watch the first and last episodes of a season of a TV show? 
I, 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 uh, let me rephrase that. I, I start there. What? Yeah. Oh, and then you go back and fill in the rest? Yeah, so, like, I do it with, like, shows like... Um, That's like, insane. So it's, like, it's always sunny. I do sunny not support it, this. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, do you realize this is insane, don't you? It's, it, I do it with shows like... All right, so, like... Um, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like I just I watched the first like when the new season came out, I watched uh, the first episode and I watched the last episode and then I go and then I fill in the blanks. Tommy, <laughs> like so if if it's bad, if it, is it is that kind of like the initial test and then if you don't like either, you're like okay, I'm just not going to watch the rest. 100%. That's my litmus test. Like because if idea. they st- if both the, if the opener and the season closer stink, I'm like ugh, I don't even know if I want to go through the rest of now, this. Now I I could branch off and do a whole rest of the podcast just on how crazy this is, but right. we're 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 gonna save this for one of our later discussions, and I'm I'm gonna segue. I'm gonna segue. That's gonna be one of those a- that's gonna be one of those after show questions where you're just gonna come up to me like yo, what the fuck is with the TV? Thing? Tommy, Tommy, you're gonna get a stern finger wagging from Keith when this is over. <laughs> that is wild. That is wild. So it sounds like things really came together in that first self-titled EP. That's one I still go back to all the time. It's a classic. Yeah, that's where we kind of found our our initial identity and where yeah where we wanted to grow from. Like the paper bag demo was kind of a lot of experimentation, as Rishi kind of hinted at. But yeah, like with with the EP, we like we really refined some of those songs too. I know. Um, that uh, a couple of them had like different endings. I think Los Federales had a different ending for a long time until we were like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa, like this, this isn't good. We gotta like, we gotta like work through this. Um, Trills. Same with, Trills. Same with like, Standby. Like, I wonder if either of you two, Keith or Tommy, if you know that EP well enough, I wonder if either of you, oh, should I tell them guys where the cut is? I wonder if yeah, either yeah, of you could <laughs> identify which track and where there's a hard cut where in the studio, we took out, I don't know, a minute or two it's, minutes of a it's song. Like a minute. It's, it's an entire part of Trills. It's a whole part. I was going to say, is it in a series of, I was going to guess, a series of Trills. Yeah, Damn. yeah, we just, it is. <laughs> yeah. Damn. And we re-listened to the original the other day and we're like, hey, should we put this out again in full form? And we, we debated it, or not really debated, we thought on it for negative four seconds and said no. <laughs> I actually like it in its full form, but that's just me, I guess. Like it just felt okay. so natural. Um, but Dave was never happy yeah. with it. Like he doesn't like that song at all. <laughs> and I know he's not here to back and defend himself, but um, he 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 is, I think, okay with me saying that he doesn't like that song. <laughs> but it's yeah. funny because it's like one of the more yeah. popular songs too. Like we actually have friends that like it, and uh, I think it's up there. It's kind of ranked too. Like as far as it's like in top four yeah. of all our tracks or something. Mm-hmm. I think I think he doesn't like Los Federales either. Pretty sure. Yeah. Which is which and is ironic. Title, the original. Actually, yeah. yeah. The go original ahead, working ahead. title actually had his name. So like the original, we 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 joke around with like like band titles like, or song titles before we actually come out with like the more serious title for the record. Yeah. Uh, so Los Federales was actually originally called Dave versus FedEx <laughs> because one day before practice, Dave had like a run in at the FedEx office because he was trying to ship out a base that he sold mm-hmm. and just like got into it with the guy at the counter over like packing peanuts. And like, the guy wanted to like charge, like, I think like almost like a hundred dollars in shipping, which most of it was just like stuffing for the package. And Dave's just like, I could just go out and spend 75 cents on a newspaper and just use that as packing. <laughs> and like, it was just like a whole ordeal. And he just came into the practice, like all flustered from it. 
yeah. the original. Like every song has like kind of this weird like story behind like the titles. But uh, yeah, Dave versus FedEx. That's the original title for Los Federales. <laughs> I love that. They, I I didn't realize how expensive it is to ship from like FedEx or UPS store. I remember years ago I sold a a digital delay pedal, the Boss one. And I sold it for like 40 bucks. And I'm like, oh, let me go to the UPS store. I didn't know anything about it. And I'm like, they'll ship it. So they, they pack it all up and they ship it. They're like, that'll be $35. And I was like, oh. And I was too stupid back then to be like, no thanks. So I just let yeah. them take it and then took my $5 profit margin on the pedal. That one hurt. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, all right. So we have the self-titled EP out, and everyone's in, everyone is in California together at this point, right? Yeah, we're all in yes, L.A. Yeah. At the time, okay. yeah. So are you just playing gigs around L.A.? Yeah, at the time, yeah. constantly. We were playing tons of shows back then, right? Our like, first yeah. year was... was kind of huge we we put out the demo um did a bunch of interviews played on the radio did a west coast tour got merch going like we were hyper productive that first year even though i still consider us one of the least hard-working bands yeah. in post rock <laughs> we just we're, we're just so selfish we just like to write and play and uh but uh yeah that's why I'm impressed you guys found us because we're kind of a small band in the scheme of things. Yeah, and I think about this often. I feel like you guys sh- should be much, much bigger because you're you're just so good. I feel that you should be on soundtracks and out on tour with the biggest post-rock acts every year. I, f- I feel like that should be happening. How about you guys? Well, we're just we're just doing our thing. Like, I don't know. We're, we're just, you know, we're, we're four really great friends. I mean, these guys are my you know, my groomsmen in my wedding and stuff. And like, um, we just do this cause we like hanging out with each other and we like, we like making music that we all enjoy, you know? So that, that's like, that's always been the goal. Yeah. We've never like made it our, like, I think that's the difference is like, we've had friends who like, they're like, we're going to put all their effort into making it. And ironically, oh, yeah. like we've probably had the same level of success without trying. And I'm not saying that like, Oh, we're like that good, but I would just say for us, it's like, we just, yeah, like just as Rishi said, like, like we just like to put out good music. And I mean, if the, if it comes up in conversation and stuff, like, you know, we'll pitch it and be like, oh yeah, like, you know, we, we, we play instrumental music. Would you want to use it or something like that? But for the most part, like, you know, we're, we're just there for like, you know, we'll put it out there and, and if it gets discovered, it gets discovered to be used or whatever. But, you know, it, it's, it's never really been like our mission to like, get into the industry and hire somebody to promote us or anything like yeah. that. Like it just turned off. Exactly. Our, our original intent was just to have fun hanging out. And, uh, in between games on tech mobile, we'd sit at our instruments and play. <laughs> and so it's because still, still like that, it's I still, love that. It's still like that. We still play tech mobile when I go to LA. <laughs> we do. But, uh, yeah, we have, I think such staying power because we genuinely enjoy each other and there's zero egos in the band and we just happily make music and put it out and whatever happens happens. And so it seems like that, like you're not out there touring, you know, nine months out of the year. It seems like you're just doing it when you can do it. And as often as you can do it, like next to everything else. And we had this conversation with our, our last guest, Corey from uh, the guitars from the band glassing and his approach is kind of the same as mine is I, I was never really willing to like 
give it all up to to be out there on the road because you know there's just been so much instability in my life i need that stability of a job and like i want to be able to live by myself because i can't stand other people and all that kind of stuff so you know is it is it like that for you guys too to a degree yeah i mean like we i i personally like love touring and i love playing shows and stuff but yeah like i mean i i want stability in my life like i don't want to like sleep I want to be able to like stay at a hotel and not sleep on like the floor of like the punk house. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Uh, <laughs> Which we've all done. And yeah. I love being able to like afford like bass strings and whatever, you know, but um, you know, like we found like some success and like, you know, our music ended up being used in some commercials and, and uh, some like web stuff. And uh, I remember early on, like the big thing was like, I think Disney picked up like, like one of our tracks that actually helped like pay for marketing that movie to help. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. International yeah. trailer so, for the help. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like, like we'll get these little like side things. It's always a little exciting, but um, yeah, I mean like w- for us, like it, for me personally, it's like, I, I love just like spending time with these guys. Like, so it's always like, that's why I love touring and sh- playing shows. Cause it's like, that's my chance to like hang out with these guys. And then also like when we record, yeah. I'm always like the first person to say like, can we just record in one city instead of doing it in our separate cities? And then that way we're all together. And like, I don't know if you guys knew this, but we were supposed to go on tour before this COVID thing hit and we were going to do the East coast and we were going to do the UK. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I, I was all set and ready to go. I was, I was very excited for that show. Yeah. So that was going to be cool for me. Cause it was like three weeks of hanging out with these nerds. So, you know, yeah. So do you think those shows will be rescheduled at some point? I hope so, because I would love to see you guys yeah. again. Definitely. Definitely. For sure. Good. Yeah, yeah, I actually caught you. Now, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I follow you guys on social media, and I saw that, you know, someone... Let me think here. Oh, this was around when Alturas came out. Now, was that was that the, when someone moved to New York, or was that when Rishi moved to the U.K.? I think we released Alturas when I was already in the UK. So yeah, we were already in three separate okay. cities. At, at yeah, dis- yeah, Distance marked our first recording where Rishi was... Um, I was away in the UK um, for school then. Yeah. Okay, because I, I saw that Rishi was moving to the UK, and I was like, oh, I guess the band's going to be done then. And then you're like, nope, here's Alturas, and we're playing some shows. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, let me go back a little bit. Now... Uh, self-titled is 2007 so is the next record uh, the first LP more after we're gone yeah correct yeah 09 now, I think it came out right that is a classic classic post-rock LP that is like probably in my definitely in my top five of, of all-time favorite post-rock albums so oh no way thanks man. props yeah, for thank that you. it's it's and my go-to track I tell everybody this, stunning clarity. I say it is impossible <laughs> to listen to that song and be in a bad mood. Impossible. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow, Thank that's you. awesome to hear. Yes, I, I, I always have a vivid memory of, I was in LA for two weeks for work. Like, it's rare that I had to stay over the weekend, but now, let me say this. I, I used to get myself into a lot of trouble and uh, with 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 partying too hard and all that stuff so i'm in la for two weeks and i'm like i don't know anybody what am i gonna do uh, so i i am like you know what let's let's go out and and have a drink and eat some food so i drove to beverly hills and you know went and got some food and a beer and i remember i remember listening to stunning clarity on the way driving down there and i was just like ah this is good it's all good 
So I always think of that when I think of that song. Awesome. Uh, nice. Yeah. So tell us awesome. about that record. Is uh, tell us about some of recording it and releasing it, and it's it's uh, it's a classic. Oh man, it's, yeah, it's, there's a lot there. You guys want to start? It's, yeah, it's, really, it's hard to think. <laughs> hard to think back to that, huh? Can um, I ask one thing, just real quick, with especially for Rishi? Uh, what tuning do you use? Like, oh man, have so, you changed from album to album, or like? I kind of wish Dave were here to answer that question because he might have a cooler <laughs> answer for than than I do. But um, no, man, I keep it I keep it standard pretty much through and through. Okay, good. I think yeah, I, I, think I drop, yeah. drop D every now and then, but um, yeah. I'm, Dave's Dave's the one with the weird tunings, right? We're yeah. always waiting on Dave to tune between songs. <laughs> yeah, actually, Dave, Dave's Dave's tunings basically dictate the order of the set list for sure. It's like okay, yeah. wait, I have to tune in between this one and this one. Okay, so yeah. that's good to know because I I used to we would like stay up all night, and I I remember one specific night we were up. All night, just playing guitars along to uh, more after we're gone, and I I yeah, I play almost exclusively in drop D, so it was close. That's why I guess, <laughs> I guess that's why it worked. Man, that was a that was a fun, a really fun record. You'll hear the uh, yeah. the Twin Peaks samples. We were really well, always into Twin Peaks, but Dave Dave hardcore into Twin Peaks, and um. You know that little instrumental, just side note, that in, uh, it's called uh, Men Before Them, mm-hmm. right? With the sample, Rish uh, had found um, the sample um, from, what was it? it was from Waking it's, Life, right? Yeah, that animated. Oh, yeah, oh a, my God, Dr. yeah. Dr. Eamon Healy. Yeah, um, that's yeah. a, that's yeah, a re- look, neat little film, man. That's one of those ones that I had. There was a video yeah. store up in uh, where I went to college. And it went out of business, and they were selling all their stuff. And I, I saw that, and I just saw the cover of it, and it looked like, it looks like they filmed, and then they animated over top of the what they filmed. Yeah, so exactly. I was like, all right, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, dude, I'm just gonna fucking buy this. I think it was a dollar. And I got home, and I, I put it on, and my friends were like, what the fuck Whoa. are you watching? And I was like, there is a, there's a handful of like really really profound things in Definitely. that oh, in yeah. that film. There's yeah. some really like some wonderful thinkers in there that you just go yeah i had never considered that it, there's also some off the wall shit too <laughs> yeah oh yeah but what's cool about that i was i was actually born in austin texas but moved to new york before um elementary um, but most of my family still lives around austin and immediate family had moved back so when i was in austin i had i had found that this uh dr ian um was a professor at St. Edward's University in Austin. So I just drove over there, uh, went to his office hours, and uh, brought him a record. And he was so excited. He was like, oh, man, I remember. Because we had his permission beforehand to use this sample. And uh, he was so excited to have it. And he he was like, oh, yeah, I, I play this album for my students. And they really dig it. And they 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 give me props. They, I, I got cool points from my students <laughs> being on a record. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that like sample really worked for, I, I'm thinking back now and it finally kind of came to me that we're, I think it, the album was kind of about this like theme of like evolution and cyclical kind of just, you know, yeah. everything repeating. And I think that sample kind of really helped kind of like drive that theme home a bit. Yeah, Rishi, you picked the sample. It was awesome. And you actually made that, right? With the beats and everything. Yeah, I think it was like a that was like a bedroom one. Just kind of like recorded some of those things in the bedroom. 
but that was just just that song, just that one. It was like a little interlude. So did you see a did you see a big jump after that LP? Did you do like any more touring or anything like that? Yeah, I'd say we yeah. we kind of grew up a bit and got a, a broader reach, and um, with that we started playing out a little bit um, more, like outside of. LA. Yeah, that was when we played in Australia, right, Tim? Like that. So that was like oh, yeah, yeah. July of 2009. I think that record had already come out, um, and that yeah. was when we went to Australia to play a few shows there. Tell us about that. How did how did that come about? Yeah. yeah how the hell did that come about, Brian? I think you helped you helped book oh, it, right? I know. All India Radio. Goes back. All India Radio um, yeah. became pals. Um, yeah, Brian. Maybe you, you want to tell us how All India Radio came to come to LA and tour with us. So oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember like Rishi, you played them on your radio show and I just remember liking the song a lot. <clears throat> and so I like looked them up. Like MySpace was like actually like kind of a great website uh, or resource to like meet other bands. And I remember just like reaching out to them directly on there and letting them know that, you know, we played in a band and that we liked their show, their music. And we kind of discovered it on like college radio or whatever. And so when all India radio like was planning I guess like some shows in the U S like their first ever, like kind of like U S tour. Yeah. They they're a Melbourne, uh, yeah. Melbourne based band. Yeah. So they reached out and uh, you know, they, they did book like their East coast stuff without me um, because I didn't have any really contacts for them then. And then, but all the West coast stuff I booked for them and um, we ended up like sort of kind of hopping on to like part of their tour. And then we just became friends with them because we shared a van with them. And, and I mean, it was great. And they just like, were like at, by the end of the tour, they were like, you have like, I think, what did they say? Like a year to come out to Australia and play. <laughs> and oh yeah. They did give us like a, a, a lighthearted ultimatum. Yeah. And so we kind of took it upon ourselves to take them up on that idea. And, uh, we actually played with Sleep Makes Waves before. We actually like had them open for us, which is crazy. Yeah, um, yeah they're, now they're, all- they're great. Yeah, yeah. And is it, um, is it that yeah, random and played- like art space, art space in yeah. like um, in Sydney, in Sydney, Maryville, yeah, like near Chinatown or something. Well, we only played three shows in Australia. Uh, we played two in Melbourne, which I would say was kind of cool because we got to experience like we played like the big like stage show with All India Radio, and then. Yeah. Like a couple of days later, we played um, like a warehouse party, which I guess is like a thing there, which yeah. I guess they have these communes and which uh, they have these old factories from the 40s that people live in now. And like, what they'll do is like, they'll just like have a party there. They'll make flyers and they'll like have $5 beers and charge at the door. And then they'll like, uh, you know, bands and DJs will set up. And we played with some pretty cool acts, like, you know, just in like a party setting. And then we would all dance afterwards. <laughs> like, oh, so that was great. Like, there was a little recording studio and all these uh, artist studios, like pot, everything from painters, painters to, to pottery and uh, tattoo artists and stuff. Yeah. That was, uh, that was Irene's warehouse, right? Irene's warehouse Irene, was like a converted, yeah. it, was, it used to be like a lingerie, lingerie factory in like the 40s. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we just like made it like also like kind of a vacation as a band. So we played three shows and we got to hang out, hang out in Australia together. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a great time. So I think, I think I remember seeing on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken, your first East coast show was in, in Pennsylvania was in 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Yeah. Right. 
It was it in Westchester? Yeah. It was in Westchester, yeah, at at the social lounge because I I remember taking the bus up from Philly to catch you guys. So I I was yeah. at that gig. That was a good one. Oh no way! Oh, cool. yeah. so, you, so you saw North End? Yes. Wait, did I? Yes, I did. Cool. I did. What what had happened was in so in 2009 we went on that um, Australia tour in July and then um, that's when I moved um, out of LA. So I flew to Edinburgh where I went to grad school that. Um, August, September-ish. Um, and so like, I had to break the news to the guys that I was leaving LA. Um, but then soon after that, Dave actually ended up moving to New York. Um, and that's kind of when we were started to try to figure out how we were going to do these things like at a distance or from a distance. Um, and then after I finished grad school, I moved to New York. And so Dave and I were there um, kind of like writing together and like Brian and Tim were still in LA kind of writing together. And so at that point, we started to make a base in New York as well. Um, and that was kind of like December, 2010 when I moved out there. Um, so I think that 2011 date sounds right because then we started to kind of like act, be more active in like the Northeast area, play more shows in that area. So, mm-hmm. and that must be where the name of the classic 2010 EP distance came from. Yep. There you go. Look at that. See the, it's all coming together now. Now, is there, is there ever a central theme around your EPs or LPs? Almost always. I'll, I'll ask for the classic 2009 LP more after we're gone. Is there is there a central theme around that whole record? Oh, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say Twin Peaks. That's all. I, if there's like a different answer, then it's going to be new to me. <laughs> like we, we got some of the song titles from like a, a, a clip in Twin Peaks, um, like a sample in Twin Peaks that we used to use. Um, but Agent I, Dale Cooper. Yeah, exactly. But I think like in terms of the overall theme, it was definitely that like idea of like evolution and and kind of like um, cyclical life and the idea of like more after we're gone, just meaning that like, you know, this will happen again, um, though it may not be us kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, what Richie said. So it sounds like we're, we're big <laughs> Twin Peaks fans. Mm-hmm. shit i've only seen the first episode of the last one so (laughs) yeah of course of course (laughs) you know i've never i've never watched twin peaks and i i kind of refuse to at this point because it's like it's just so massive like and it's just people tell me to so much that like that it just makes me not want to so I'm like I'm like dug in a hole. I, I can't get out of it. I hate shows that are overhyped. Uh, shows mean more to me when I've discovered them myself. Exactly. Kind of like bands, you know. Exactly. But um, but you know when you're ready, Keith, um, it's actually worth it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying I won't ever do it, but I I'm just saying right now is not the time. So yeah, that that it was awesome seeing you guys for the first time in Westchester, and. And then again, the last time I saw you, was, I think it was your last show. Was your last show at Matchless in, uh, in, in where yeah. the hell is that? Yeah. Williamsburg, Greenpoint? Yeah, 2016, right. Um, right by Green. Yeah, yeah. exactly it, right. Right by McCarran Park. I it's already like four years ago. That's crazy. Can you believe it? Yeah, I, I, have, yeah. Some, I have some footage of that show, so I'll, I'll be sure to repost it this week. 
when we uh, celebrate this this soon to be legendary episode of the podcast. And uh, what was I going to say? Something. Oh, that place is closed now. Matchless. Oh, yeah, closed down. It was an awesome spot. I've seen some good shows there, and that was actually where I played my last show. Uh, in some band I was in in, in 2017. So yeah, that okay. uh, I walk by it all the time because I live pretty close to there. And did it close around 2017 or like 2018? Uh, 2019, I think. 2018, okay. 2019. Yeah. I think. Uh, by the way, like Van Gogh Sky. I think when we had Pennsylvania show in Westchester, oh, yeah. it was like that was the first time we played that live too. And we were, I think, really apprehensive about playing it. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was all. Yeah, that was the first time and the last time we've ever played that song live. Because after we played that, we we're like, eh, maybe, maybe it's not a live song. <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite Signal Hill songs ever. Actually, if I had like a, a handful, if people are like, "What do you sound like?" I always throw that in the mix. Yeah, that that's a good one. And I think my top two are Stunning Clarity and Pacific Northwest. And folks, if you're listening, check out Stunning Clarity on More After We're Gone, and Pacific Northwest is on Chase the Ghost, the 2013 LP. Those are two of my favorites. And California is too long. I love it because, this. well, one, the song title, and I I really feel that because I I travel for work a lot, um, and California is too long. I'm just saying that. And I was actually, last summer, I was doing a lot of travel for work northern california southern california and i actually went to signal hill um okay like there, it's that it's that big hill where there's the overlook right yeah the, the tower where is that i forget is that southern california next to long beach it's la metro okay so i i was there and i took some footage that i used to make a music video for my own band so we're we're now connected oh, nice. in that nice. way yeah and nice. um california is too long the song that that used to be the song like every weekend like before I went out to be a, a total disaster and drink and get high and all that stuff I would I would listen to California is too long that was like my song before I before I went out uh, to to cause trouble amazing. so good times <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm driving up to Oregon next week so I'm gonna be experiencing a very long California drive <laughs> I was gonna uh, say yeah. spoken like a true uh, north northeasterner like uh, you know everything's so compact and dense compact and dense there like you know where i grew up and then the wide open west everything takes forever (laughs) yeah it's it's crazy like i was i was in where the hell southern california again and my friend's band was playing at the observatory and i was staying in where the hell was it i don't remember but it was like a three mile drive or something like that and i was like oh cool this will take 20 minutes and then i i get on i look at the gps and it's like one hour and a half and i was like what and i'm like oh right la freeways yeah i forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> but the yeah. northeast is so like i'm so spoiled by manhattan and brooklyn like if i have to walk more than half a block to go to a corner store like i'm annoyed i mean you have you have everything right here uh grocery store laundromat dry cleaner mm-hmm. corner store it's all it's all right there yeah, that that was one thing I, I enjoyed about living in Brooklyn was like not having to go to Manhattan on the weekends because I could just do what I needed to do in Brooklyn. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, if you live in Manhattan, you don't go to Brooklyn, and vice versa. Yeah. Like I, I, Manhattan to me was just somewhere I went for work pretty much. But I, I've always yeah, exactly. liked hanging out in the in the East Village and the Lower East Side. So now that I live here some of the time, it's uh, it's interesting. Now, do you guys 
I find this where I live. I, it's hard for me to find, like, post-rock people. Like, I always end up going to the shows alone. It's hard to find people to go to shows with in general. Do you, do you guys find that where you are, or do you, do you still go to a lot of shows? Uh, Rishi, let's start with you. Yeah, because you live in the UK now. Like, what's the story over there? Yeah, I still still go to a handful of shows. I think I um, certainly like gotten more picky with the shows I go to, but um, have a, a couple close friends here that um, that are into similar music. So yeah, in general, we'll, we'll try to go see shows together. I think actually the last show I saw here in London, um, uh, Stash, uh, aka Brian. Sorry, I like using his nickname. <laughs> um, Stash, Stash does, he, does he have a mustache or something? Off and on. For Brian, a long stash, period, do, you have a, did. do you have a stash right now? I don't have a stash right now. I shaved two days ago. But uh, the, the story behind the nickname stash was there was this real period of like laziness that happened in which I just stopped shaving and I had this like really bad like dad mustache. Um, <laughs> and it's just awkward. I don't think it really looked yeah. good. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, uh, I think I was one of the first two out of all of us that really did that. And so, yeah, yeah, you definitely I don't were, know. Yeah. yeah. And it looked like, I looked like, it was like if like someone in like, you know, when you're in middle school and you decide to grow your mustache, that's like, dirt on lip. It, yeah, dirt <laughs> on lip. So, and I just like, didn't give a shit. I was just like, I just have this fucking mustache. No one spells it like S T A C H E. They all spell it S T A S H or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Like yeah, when they refer to Secret stash. Yeah, that's what I thought. So that's my mind goes right there. I think I heard like stash, and I'm like stash of drugs or stash of guns or something like that. Well, amongst all our friends, I will say though, like you either have a nickname or you just get called like by your last name. Yeah. So like you call Tim like Tim Baba and like I don't know, like we all have all kinds of weird nicknames for each other. But uh, Brian, yeah, your last name's Vasayo, but uh, you say Vasalo a lot, so people can spell it, and then it it evolved to Stashalo. <laughs> a lot of the beware of safety guys like the car yeah. stashalo. So, yep. Rishi, you moved to the UK. Do you have friends over there already, or do you have to make new friends? How does that work? Um, well, yeah. So since we've been here for uh, five years, like, um, kind of just have have a little group of friends here, and um, it's I mean, it's like New York, LA, like in a sense that people kind of come and go. Uh, yeah. Just big city people are here for a couple years and go so we've we've had a few really close friends leave which is always sad but but yeah have a couple close friends uh, like i was saying go to shows with um and i was saying the last um last show i think that i went to was actually when stash was visiting um back in september of last year and we saw the album leaf at this venue called the union chapel mm -hmm. which is a really cool venue because it's like a converted uh church basically and it's like the album leaf playing in a church um and is very cool in a sense that like the first time I saw the album leaf was when I was a kid in San Diego at a teen center and like, it was just him and he was set up on the floor, like with his keyboards literally on the floor and everyone was like sitting down. There was probably like 15 kids, like 10, 15 kids just sitting down watching him. And now I'm like seeing him in, in London in this like massive chapel and it's just beautiful. And he's got this like lighting set up and Sash, you were there like, um, Oh my God. It was so surreal. I have so yeah. many photos and videos of that. And I think it's also just cause I mean, I've never like that trip for me, like I visited Rishi yeah, like last fall and, and uh, you know, I, I had actually just gotten out of a relationship. So it was just like doing a lot of solo traveling and um, like, yeah, going to a concert uh, in the UK was pretty awesome. 
And then, uh, you know, so it was just like a surreal experience. And then it was kind of nice to actually be there. I actually met uh, Tom from uh, Good Weather for an airstrike there too. And so it was just like, yeah, like nice meeting you in person. We'll see each other potentially on tour, which never happened, unfortunately. But yeah, like it was just yeah. a fun, fun show to go to. It's like nothing that I think you really experience here in LA either. I was just really excited to see that show with you too. Cause like we, I don't know, we just grew up like listening to album leaf and Tristezza and stuff. And it's, it was like really fun oh, yeah. for us. It was cool. Like having you yeah. here for that. So Tim, you're out in LA. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of opportunity here for good shows and I don't go to them as often as when, uh, all of the guys were here. Um, but yeah. And, um, I don't I don't really listen to much post rock so if I'm out at a show it's it's probably something random either jazz or I don't know it's kind of random funk or jazz or experimental music I got you so no more hardcore shows we won't find you in the pit <laughs> Well it depends there there there's some good reunion shows uh I got to see Gorilla Biscuits again a few years ago and a lot of the Rev Revolution Records bands um but now I've I've uh, I've mellowed out for sure. Although the other day, um, when I found you guys were in Pennsylvania and had a more, somewhat of a you know hard hardcore background, I put on Starkweather and got really excited again. <laughs> do, do you remember yeah. Starkweather? Yeah, I, I saw them one year at uh, Hellfest, and I I, I, I actually yeah. haven't checked them out on record much, but I, I remember really digging them. I was like, wow, this is this is good. Yeah, once you know, I got to be in the mood, but. Um, yeah, not so much on the hardcore tip. Gotcha. Now, Brian, you grew up and still live in Los Angeles, correct? I do, yeah. So you probably um, have a pretty tight network out there. I don't. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> no, I mean, I got. I still have friends uh, out here. I still play in a band. I play in another band. Uh, so we play like kind of like more like heavier kind of punk. Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, so that that's probably like my music like connection like to the scene here still. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I, you know, we like hardcore, like it, uh, for, for this area, like it's, it's kind of like its own new thing now. Like everything that I listened to that Tim listened to, like growing up, like it's not even like the same anymore. Um, it, but there, there's like newer hardcore bands and it's kind of like its own scene now, but I mean, it's kind of weird to go to shows and just like, you know, you're like the old guy now for yeah. sure. Like, <laughs> exactly and i that's i don't have any friends in new york city who listen to like anything that i do so if i go to a show it's it's by myself or with my girlfriend and i i, I don't think i would subject her to bringing her to like a a full-on hardcore show I've, I've taken her to see like cave in and holy fawn and like you know like good mm -hmm. m bands that have some more crossover appeal uh, so I don't know. I, I find myself just not going to hardcore shows up here because it's not fun to go by yourself. I'm like, what? I'm just going to stand here like and watch it. I don't know. I can't, I can't do that. So yeah, I would only go to a hardcore show with like one of my friends. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'd go by myself. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, but Tommy and I would go to like, this is hardcore every year down in Philly. And if I, typically the hardcore shows I end up going to are down there and I'll like meet up with him and other people. So it's, it's, you know, going to shows by yourself isn't, isn't the most fun for me. I, yeah. I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever been to a show by myself. I don't, I, I've always gone, like, it's always been like a, a, a social activity. It's always been something like, Oh, I'm meeting my friends. Like I could maybe travel there by myself, but I'm never, 
alone there at the show. Yeah, the, and the, well, the thing is, like, you know, so many everyone comes through New York. So, like, every band that I have to see or want to see comes through here. And a lot of them will play at St. Vitus, too, which, which I live pretty close to. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, I, 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 I have to go. I ha- now, since I have you all on the line, who in the band is, is the biggest pain in the ass? Let's get it all out in the open. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Um, <laughs> I'm probably the one that should, I'm probably the one that says things uh, when he shouldn't more often. <laughs> Rishi, the other guys are more reserved. I used to be out of control, okay? And I've, I've since gotten my act together, but I people would not want to go to shows with me because I would heckle and yell things, and I, I, was, just, I was just a problem. So, Tim, give us an example of you saying things that you shouldn't. Uh, not so much that I shouldn't, but uh, more like going on tangents and uh, having a, a concept of where I was. Uh, mentally in my train of thought and nobody else being close to where I was. <laughs> like, for example, when they were tuning on this old radio show back in the day, I just decided to uh, fill the time with some nonsense. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> never so much of like the problem child, like heckler type, but um, just um, absurdity to pass the time. That's right. You were doing the Cockney accent, right? That was you. Uh, it may or may not have been. Tim, <laughs> was, Tim I, have a like, hard, I have a hard time with that, too, because I don't, I, I, I don't read people really well, and sometimes I just don't know my audience, and I'll start telling a story, and midway through the story, I'll look up at people's faces, and they're either chuckling along with it, or they're, like, completely, like, mouths agape, like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stop talking about what I'm talking because I'm clearly bothering you. Yeah, Tommy really takes you on a journey, like when when he's telling a story. Like you ask me what I had for breakfast, I'm like, you know, bacon and egg on an everything bagel. And Tommy's like, yo, so get this, all right? Now we didn't have anything in the store, so I had to go to the store. And then I'm, I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Give us the short That's version. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, what are some, now? Signal Hill seems like a pretty chill band of friends who all get along. It doesn't seem like many controversies, but are there any difficulties that you guys have had to overcome in your journey as a band? I mean, yeah. I mean, like, to go back to what you asked, like you know, we've all probably been pain in the asses at some point. Yeah, <laughs> with each other, like for sure. I I'm so fortunate because I've definitely been in band drama to like with these guys, like we all seem to like get over it pretty quickly and, and really just, you know, push things aside. Um, and yeah, there's definitely been difficulties. Cause like we all like have uh, at this point, like even just like reached, like, you know, we, we live our lives and lives definitely dictate, like it's a musician. It's definitely counter to like being a musician, you know, like, um, I remember I was the first to have a daughter. Like I, I had a, like, you know, uh, my wife at the time got pregnant and, uh, you know, I, I had to take like a band hiatus for like a few months. Like I couldn't just go to practice like two nights a week. So that kind of sucked, but then having, but you know, I was able to like get back into it again. Um, so that happens. And then I remember when like Rishi and Dave talked about moving to New York, like we were all actually pretty heartbroken about it at first because we just didn't know what that meant for the band. You know, I remember Tim mentioning that he was kind of like bummed out about it, but you know, and, and we were all like a little skeptical on even like how the whole like staying connected would work. But here we are, you know, we're probably, if anything, yeah. just as connected as we were when we were all hanging out together. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it happens. Like, we've all, like, definitely, like, I've definitely disagreed with, like, decisions that we've made and stuff like that. And it's always tough to, like, plan it, like, plan shows and tours and stuff. It's never easy for some reason. But it all, it happens for sure. But we have some funny moments. Like, I could share some, like. Please do. I remember one time in New York, like, uh, we were trying to get, like, a car to, like, carry equipment out of the show. But. And like one of us had to kind of stay out in the cold and like wait for the car to come because all the equipment was like out on the sidewalk. And I remember like Rishi like getting on the phone to call the car company, but he just got into an argument with the guy. And then he just (laughs) was like, sorry, man. And then just like went back inside. And I'm just like, what did you do? Like, are they coming? Like, <laughs> so, like, that I, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember that at all. But it sounds you've sounds been drinking, like, yeah, reasonable. yeah. <laughs> We've had to, like one funny story. We had to pull Dave away from like getting into a street fight because he like oh, pissed man, off some guy. That oh, let's that's hear, like let's hear about that story. Uh, Wait, uh, is this in the, uh, is the, this in San Francisco? Battle rap that's San Francisco, story, right? yeah. The battle rap story, yeah. I can so feel that I feel in bad that Dave's not here to talk about it, but it, it actually Dave is a have. good question for uh, a good question for Dave to be absent for because w- the, your question of who's who's like the problem child because Dave is like the antithesis of a problem child. He's so calm and yeah. cheerful and stable in demeanor. You would never like, yeah. He's 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 like our. Our, uh, he's our rock maybe. for sure. Yeah, yeah he's, our yeah, rock. he's our PR guy for sure. Like the fact that he's not on this doing that kind of sucks. After we're done playing, we all want to just like chill sometimes and just like you know people come up to us and want to talk and we'll talk. Like Dave is so nice. Like he'll he'll talk to everybody and he's always in a good mood and he makes friends with people fast. And he's the like, most engaging. Yeah, he's the most engaging, and so um, it sucks that he's not here, but. It's so like to tell this story, it's, it's funny because it's like, how did that happen? So we, we played this show in San Francisco and it was like an afternoon show. So it was really weird, but Dave had already like, was like two drinks in, like as soon as we were done playing. <laughs> and, uh, when we were leaving the venue, it was like a Friday or Saturday night. And so like people were like out in the streets and these kids were like, like freestyle rapping on the corner and they were like. Like what is it when they they're like trying to like put each other down and stuff like that? Oh, like uh, battle, battle, battle rapping. Yeah. yeah, yeah, battle rap. Sorry. Um, and uh, so Dave just like like the guy was like kind of picking on Dave. Yeah, you just and can Dave. I can I paint a quick picture yeah, yeah. Of, of Dave? Go, go for it. Go for it. In this in this scene, right? Dave Dave is is like uh, the pro of us, right? In, in in the sense that if you see him on the street, you, you would never maybe think he was in a band. Cause he'll have like a button up shirt with a sweater over it and maybe some nice loafers. <laughs> and so, Definitely. and, and that's how he performs too. He, he has this look. And so we're, we're finished with the show and we're loading the van across the street, just a couple doors down. And between, um, between the venue and the van is this group of kids and they're like having a battle rap. And Dave's carrying gear, you know, looking like this white guy, you know, in a collared shirt. And then they start taunting him. Or I don't know. I wasn't there for the, the beginning of yeah, it. The, the kid just walked up to him and started, like, battle rapping him just right in his face. Like, that, out of nowhere, awesome. he started doing it. And he picked on the wrong person. And he had no clue that Dave is into hip-hop um, and has some some good hip-hop roots. And Dave 
just started, uh, you know, rapping back, and the kid he tore was him like, apart. He, like tore him apart. Oh my god, Dave just shut this kid down, and he was in the circle, and his friends were holding him back, and his friends were like cheering and laughing at what Dave was oh, uh, rapping. Always, oh my god! Always remember, always remember the first line Dave pulled, and and I'll pull it right now, real quick. This is the first thing Dave said. You call those rhymes a diss? You sit on the toilet when you take a piss. <laughs> and that, that was and the then, and then it just got worse from there, and his friends were like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and it was so funny. And so, basically, his friends just pulled him away, and they and they dispersed because Dave was like, "Yeah, we got to load our van." <laughs> and, and and just to that point, this record distance that we put out, um, we hand numbered. We were going to number all the copies. What were they? Two or three hundred or two fifty? And we're like, what if instead of numbering them, we name them? And we we made this whole spreadsheet of funny stories, names, anecdotes, places we played. And we hand-named every single Distance album. And one of them was called Battle Rap after uh, Dave's epic takedown of this kid on the street. I love that. That's incredible. Battle Rap out of 250. <laughs> So everyone, yeah, everyone in the band seems pretty level-headed. Do you have any crazy stories like drug deals gone wrong or gun running or like anything like that? Well, none of us are troublemakers, so there's no like super lewd uh, like fight stories or anything like that. Right. Now, yeah. now uh, on that point, just misadventures. On that point, I have an idea. Now, you know how there's like tough guy hardcore bands and like crazy rock bands. I I want to start the first <laughs> tough guy post rock band. I don't think that's been done yet. Like everyone in the band will be like pretty threatening and have a lot of tattoos. We'll be like wild partiers. Like we'll, there'll be a lot of crazy onstage antics. I, what do you guys think of that? Yeah. I'm all for it. You. I mean, yeah. Why not? A lot of a lot of shit talking. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah, like there'll a, be like rivalries with other post rock bands, and we'll have diss tracks like "This Won't yeah. Destroy You." That'll be a song, <laughs> or like. Oh, you know, stuff like yeah. that, like that, that, or like Mog, why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some, uh, I'm trying to think of one for signal hail, but I can't like signal unthrilling maybe. No. Yeah. So, I, oh, no. so it would be I like take, a, it would be like a bad luck. That's a good 13. one because I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> no. We, we have been called single hill before. Single uh, hill. Sing oh Yeah. <laughs> So we're thinking Rishi, about, tell, we're, we're tell, thinking, tell them what record that was on and where to find yeah. it and who commissioned it. <laughs> no, it was a comp. There was like a comp that like used one of our songs and then it like just misprinted like 5,000 CDs with like the wrong name. Yeah. <laughs> it, we're, we're, we're thinking oh, about. Oh, I thinking thought about, that was the Kanye West album, no? I think it was. Yeah, it was. Wasn't that the. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. Vitamin Records put out this album, a, a tribute to Kanye West. It was like the college dropout but like some kind of indie rock take on that album well this and, is the uh, shameful what we will do for money yeah they're like they're selling it at walmart i think yeah so we were billed on that album we we submitted a track we did a cover song of family business by kanye west this is like 2003 oh. or four right i know no, that's, four that's five. The, it's off college dropout yeah no i know that song yeah Maybe like two thousand five, yeah. two thousand six, something. I like think that. Rishi made made the made the beat or made the line for it while you were in India on vacation. But anyways, we were called Single Hill on that comp, <laughs> but totally by accident. But it turned out to be a good thing. 
So let, let's talk about some other bands we're involved in. Uh, we can plug them. Let's start with Rishi. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I started a project out here in London with a, with a friend uh, called We Say Yes. Uh, it's kind of like a emo slash shoegaze thing. We released an EP last year called Paradise Waits. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty excited about it. Um, haven't done much. Uh, with that project the last few months. Um, I've actually been focusing on uh, another project called Sky Is Alright. Um, and uh, in Sky Is Alright, I'm, I'm playing guitar and singing, and I have a friend um, back in LA that's playing drums. And uh, we just recorded a full uh, eight songs for our debut album. Uh, recorded it, uh, luckily I was in LA in February before the whole like lockdown thing started, and, and we recorded it all there. Um, and, uh, so it's being mixed right now and hoping that that will come out, uh, later this year. So yeah, that Sky's Alright has kind of like a nineties throwback, like grunge emo kind of thing going on, like early Smashing Pumpkins. Um, yeah, I, I got to check that out. That, that's right up my alley. Cause that, you know, that, that's cool. kind of what my band was too. Like hum worship with a, okay. a bit of yeah, post hardcore yeah. edge. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's 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 fun, kind of like been working on those songs, uh, just in terms of like vocal melodies, and um, it's just kind of like a different thing for me, and um, quite enjoy it writing lyrics and stuff. So awesome! How about you, Tim? Aside from working on new Signal Hill stuff, I noodle around on acoustic guitar whenever I can. And back in 2010, my my good buddy Steve Moulter from uh, he's a guitarist in Beware of Safety. We started uh, a, a project together. I think it was a, actually, oh yeah, the script came after. Okay, so we just started playing some wide open instrumental um, spacey kind of stuff that took on a, almost a Western tinge. And then we kind of, um, I, w- I would play uh, the Rhodes keyboard and acoustic guitar, and uh, Steve would play electric guitar with lots of effects. Um, and add layers to it and then we started thinking that the the music was telling a story so we shifted from music writing to uh, writing a three-act play based on a western tragedy we kind of uh, drummed up and then that turned into a screenplay and then now that didn't go anywhere we're still finessing it but um, we took a long long break like an eight-year break Um, and now we're back to um, writing music again but we did um, we did take um, basically the music from the second act of that uh, play that we were kind of going towards, and that became our first EP that we put out. It, uh, the project is called The Azure Vault, mm-hmm. and um, it's streamable on all the platforms, and uh, we had a ton of fun making that. And so now we're revisiting um, so much music we had started developing and never finished, so we're kind of back on the rails for that. Uh, which is super fun. That sounds awesome. That's something I've gotten into. I love putting music to 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 video. I I've got I'm doing some of that and I I started taking some acting lessons and I was like in a play last year. I don't know I'm I'm on the fence about whether I'll do any more of that, but I I like the idea of like, you know, composing music and pairing it with images and all. I would like to get into some more of that. How about you, Brian? What else you got going on? Yeah, so uh, if I'm not playing bass, I play guitar. And so uh, for like the last three years, uh, I've been playing uh, guitar uh, in a band called Last Good Sleep. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, it's it's mostly like it started off kind of like poppy punk, and it, but it got heavier for sure. And um, it's uh, myself, uh, a friend here from the South Bay, and uh, two friends from like Central California, or originally from Central California. It's like the singer from Roll Diner, um, and then another singer from the band The Furloughs. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like I would say like kind of like a hardcore punk sound. We did a split seven inch. Um, like our first year with the band called the pretty flowers. And then we did like a, a West coast tour. Um, and then like, we've been sort of, you know, trying to put together this EP for like the last year, but uh, you know, with this pandemic, it's kind of put the brakes on it a little bit. Um, we recorded vocals actually like a month ago. Um, and I think we're just trying to mix it now. So hopefully we'll have like a, a record out like, by this fall but we'll see or like not out by this fall but hopefully like impressing by fall um but yeah that's that's about it i mean i don't know if we'll ever really get to do much we'll see how the record takes before we might make any other plans like on touring or anything like that right right awesome so two other questions about signal hill before i forget uh let's start with the first one how do you guys write since we're like living internationally now Carrier pigeons. You put the thumb drive in the little pigeon backpack, and then he flies it back to the stateside, and then. So tell. T- yeah, no, we we just roll up transcriptions of uh, music, sheet music. We roll them up, tie them up with a little bow, and tie them around the, the feet of the pigeons, and off they go. I mean, I like that you're doing it so old school. No, now tell us, like, yeah. tell us some of the process and software and hardware you're using, if you are, because this is something I myself would like to. St- to get into. So I, I, I'm interested in the process. Yeah. I think, um, in terms of like new, new song ideas, we've been working on quite a few recently, like the last uh, year or two. Um, and generally what will happen is, um, Dave and I will kind of send ideas back and forth. Um, and just in terms of like, uh, riffs and, um, I think, I think Dave uses logic. Um, I'm, I'm a little ashamed to admit, but I, I just for demo purposes, I use GarageBand, but I have a, I have like a um, one of those like Scarlet um, uh, preamp um, things that I use um, just to keep the signal clean. But yeah, so Dave and I Dave and I will uh, will send ideas back and forth and generally create some sort of like um, big structure, um, and then uh, uh, the guys in LA will kind of throw throw the rhythm parts on there. I think that that's kind of what we've been doing because of the distance. Um, I think beforehand it was, you know, just getting in a room and working on the songs, like in, in a room together. Um, we so use just, Slack to stay together to like communicate. We create like channels for each song, upload music there. So that really kind of keeps things yeah. organized. Yeah. I think it's, it's Slack is really good for that for just to kind of like keep the momentum going. Right. So like people will kind of just throw in updates and, and, and to keep organized. Yeah. Everything yeah. from album art to, um, merch to tour dates, venues, like everything has a channel so we can like jump right in and get our answers if we're working on something. That's perfect. I, I need to get on that. Yeah. And a friend told me to try out logic. He said there's like an AI drummer and you can select different drumming styles and tell it to put in more fills or less fills. I, you know, I, I haven't had success in trying to get bands going here lately at least. So I, I would at least like to, to stay productive while during the downtime. Yeah, I think we all kind of, uh, Brian's other band has a rehearsal space. So, so, um, 
And we used to have like a lockout, right, um, where we could go 24-7 and just get together. But um, our other sister band kind of uh, broke up and we ditched that spot years ago. So now um, when I can, uh, when Brian and I get together and try and write our parts over the scratch tracks that Dave and um, Rishi will write to like a click so we can kind of keep it in time. And then we'll kind of just record and email demos back and forth. And uh, I have a setup at home. I, I've been using Pro Tools for, I don't know, 12, 14 years. And uh, and so I can track, uh, like, the Rhodes keyboard. Well, this is a little bit more for other projects, but Rhodes into a DI box into um, into the computer. Um, and then, you know, we, I think, Rishi, you have some microphones at home, too, just for getting the basics down, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah for, so we, for demo purposes, it does the job. And this is where I get in trouble because this pandemic has really muted my creativity. I I owe drums to Signal Hill first and foremost, and I have a, a Yamaha um, electronic drum set here just so I don't uh, piss off the neighbors. But I can track um, with individual channels for each drums into the computer, and then uh, you know lay them over the ideas that they send, and then send them back. So sorry, guys, I've. Uh, yeah, I've been marinating these songs and not producing. It's my fault. It's so hard <laughs> to stay motivated during this time, and I feel bad. But then I hear everybody else saying it too. Like I, I'm supposed to be studying for this big certification I have to get for work, and I've I've only really recently like pushed myself into a schedule. But even doing anything all day, I find is impossible. Like I'm laying on the couch and I'm like, I have to get up. I have to get up. I have to do this. I can't. I just can't. Uh-huh. No, I've, I've been wanting to start like a kind of a, a side project and also write music for Last Good Sleep. And the closest I've gotten to touching my guitar was moving it from the closet into like my car. You know, it was just like, <laughs> like I'm just like, uh, I'll get to it eventually. It just work like really is draining, you know, like all the Zoom calls and everything else. And then I also consult on the side. So like it everything is so busy. And then like, when you get a chance, you're like, the last thing I want to do is like sit in a room and like noodle around on anything. Like I want to go outside. And so next thing you know, it's like 11 o'clock at night and you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to sleep. (laughs) So yeah, being creative has been a challenge for sure. It's so hard. And between, you know, between my full-time job, which takes up a lot of time studying. And this podcast is like, takes up a lot of time too, between maintaining the site and, editing and and finding guests and everything else there's there's little room for everything else and i fill that remaining space up with video games you know because there's a lot of good ones out right now so i don't know making music is just something that's not happening right now for me yeah i i feel i feel bad to kind of go against the crowd but i don't know i i, I knew i, knew. <laughs> I it, it's, it's kind of my dream to just be in like a dark room with with the guitar and just writing stuff so i've been i've been doing that and uh i i can be in my dark bedroom for hours and then my wife will come in and be like what are you doing what are you doing in here like i'm working on some songs so then been getting a lot of, a lot of like sky is all right stuff um written um as well and um waiting for tim to send drums to uh, some of the signal songs. <laughs> God damn, hot. So my, so yeah. my last question: what, what, uh, what's coming up for Signal Hill? Do, do we have more music? Is it going to be another singles, uh, EPs, LPs? Give it to us. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. So 
we'll we'll definitely get those tour dates uh, rescheduled hopefully for for next year mm-hmm. um we do we do have a um let's see like a handful of new ideas that we're working towards i think eventually we'll we'll get to a new full length um should we uh guys should we drop the uh the seven drop it all <laughs> drop so drop drop the seven inch and drop everything yes. so we have it so we, yeah so we just released that seven inch with a good weather for an airstrike with a, a new song called blessed land um so that came out a few few months back um and really excited about how that new song turned out and kind of like the direction um that it, we're kind of going with that um we have another new song that we're about to release um on another seven inch with uh north end um it's a, yeah split seven yeah 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 so we're we're getting through um kind of like the um artwork and stuff for that um so we'll hopefully have that out in in a few months time um yeah and then i think just kind of working through a, a few more songs i think the new whatever the new full length is we'll we'll kind of include it these these new songs from the seven inches plus yeah we have a handful of ideas in the works so um, so you're telling me really there's a new signal hill song out there that i haven't heard on this seven inch that's out i don't see it on oh i get everything through spotify so if it's not on spotify i won't i won't have heard it yeah for some reason i don't know if it shows up on our spotify page i think um which one rish the good good weather split? Yeah. yeah yeah um because the north end one is for sure not out yes yeah, so that, that one will be out soon but the 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 other one it's um called blessed land the song is called blessed land mm-hmm. so if you if you do a search for signal hill blessed land it'll show up <laughs> awesome so i i'm definitely yeah. going to do that today well, guys, I want to thank you for being on. This was awesome. And, you know, once those tour dates are rescheduled, if you're if you're playing New York City again, I will I will for sure be there. Um, quick question, yes. Rish. Um, do we want to mention anything else that's in development at this point? Yeah. Brian? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, I for, totally forgot. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> Please. That's like the big um, one. Sorry. Yeah, so this might excite you. I don't know, but um, we're in the process of aggregating and developing the artwork for um, a double LP re-release. Well, not a re-release, but uh, a vinyl release of basically everything that we've done that's not on vinyl mm-hmm. yet, as well as some um, some goodies that have never, some older versions that have never been released to the world. Awesome. Oh, yeah. It'll be sides. <laughs> It'll it'll be the two yeah. it'll be the two EPs, yeah. So like the first um, self titled EP and distance EP, and then kind of like B sides and demos from those sessions. Oh, awesome! So even more new stuff. That's great. Yeah, and folks, please check out Signal Hill, one of my favorite bands, and definitely one of my favorite post rock bands. The self titled EP is a good place to start. Distance, the the EP is great. That that first song on Distance, I forget the name of it, but that's like one of my favorites. Paper airplanes. Yeah. Uh, Freelance Forest, I think is. Or Freelance is Forest. Forest. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's actually uh, that's actually in my top three Signal Hill songs for yeah, sure. The yeah, the guitar in that is just you know so memorable. So I mean, yes, everybody, if you're listening to the show, please listen to Signal Hill. They're an excellent band. And we look forward to seeing you live again once those tour dates get rescheduled. And any closing words? Let's start with Rishi. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, just thanks for thanks for thinking of us and reaching out to us. And uh, Keith and Tommy, I really appreciate it. And it's been uh, it's been fun. It's been real. Excellent, Tim. 
Yeah, thank you both for inviting us on. It's exciting uh, uh, to be able to chat. And uh, yeah, we're just going to keep doing what we do, being great friends and putting out music that inspires people. And uh, I, I remember over the years, this is probably my proudest um my proudest aspect of being in Signal Hill with these awesome guys is that we've had fans over the years tell us that they've played our music on on loop at their wedding at a castle in England. Um, one couple walked down the aisle to one of our songs. What really? We've I had a, a fan. Cool. We've had a fan admit that he conceived their child while listening to our record. Wow! Uh, we've been we, we've been played at a a, a funeral. Uh, our music's been the background soundtrack to someone's funeral, uh, someone's father's funeral. And, uh, and I, I believe during a birth somehow, which uh, I might be wrong about, but we've been in the circle of life and uh, we just like making our music and we're just so happy that people can latch onto it in whatever place they are in their, in their world, you know? You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because that, I feel that too. Like Signal Hill has been... The soundtrack is like so many different things in my life over the years because I, I mean, I've listened to you guys for, let's see, over a decade now. So good times, bad times, like just, you know, it's just yeah. a, a recurring band that's been in a lot of moments in my life. So I thank all of you for that. Thanks, man. Yeah. Always and welcome. Brian, any closing words? Yeah, um, totally. Well, thank you, first and foremost, to you guys for having us on and all your kind words and, and thinking so much of us. Um, you said it was like hard work, you know, with this podcast, but keep doing it because I think you guys are obviously like putting it into a pool of, of things that people are enjoying right now. Um, and yeah, you know, like, uh, can't wait to get back out there again. Uh, hopefully we schedule those, those tour dates and, um, yeah, with the new music that's coming out, it's always exciting to, you know, kind of hear what people have to say about it and, you know, uh, or what people think about it, but yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. And Tommy, give us some closing words. Uh, Keith always makes fun of me for finding the vast majority of my music on YouTube. However, <laughs> guess what has fucking Blessed Land right at the top? So Signal Hill, Blessed Land is on YouTube if you want to go listen to it nice. right now. So it's Keith, on Apple Music, I know, also. Keith, uh, yeah, Keith teases me constantly about it. Why don't you have fucking Spotify? Yeah. I'm, well, Tim and I don't I don't think any of us have the record like Dave for some reason does. <laughs> like, but no one none of us like own it. YouTube is good for older stuff, but like if you want something brand new, it's never on YouTube because of like copyright and everything. So if there's like a hot new hip hop track or something like that, oh, like it's it's not gonna be on true. YouTube right away. Tommy, give give us some kind closing words for our dear friends in, in Signal Hill. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you guys have made music that has profoundly affected me, and it's just it's been uh, amazing to speak with you guys and hear your process that goes along with all of this. It's just been it's been an absolute pleasure. You guys all seem like really really nice people, and uh, I just wish you the best of luck in you guys continuing to make music. I can I really. Um, just can't explain to you guys how much it has like um it's really just been especially a bonding moment between me and my kids um because it's such a the a lot of the music i listen to is so harsh um uh, when i put stuff on like that like you guys um you know they really start to see that music isn't just like you know kids bop or like you know that you know radio music that they hear in the car and shit so um i i just want to extend a, a sincere thank you to all you guys it's really cool. just been a pleasure 
No, no worries. You're on the West Coast, you know, you hit up Tim and I. We're always, like, willing to meet up and hang out. Yeah. So, for sure. Awesome. Absolutely. Same, same, goes for, same goes for the UK. Yeah, and hit us up too. We're we're always down to hang or go to a show if anybody's around. So uh, yeah, if you guys next time you guys are in Philly, I'm definitely coming to see you. Yes. Well, you'll you'll be able to hear that song "Blessed Land." It'll be our first, uh, I guess, our first live performance of it, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Awesome. Yeah, Tommy, put that song on for the twins, and uh, when you see us next, tell us what they thought of it. I will absolutely. <laughs> I, I will tell you as soon as I see you guys, and right after, <laughs> as long as we're allowed to give each other big hugs. <laughs> Hopefully, we're not like uh, in this like stay the distance from people it's always weird when yeah. you like get to talk to people True. and then, then you see them again it's like i i went to my mom's house like i guess after the first week of this happening and it was like oh, i want to hug my mom <laughs> like jesus yeah. christ yeah. it's fucking weird yeah. man. all right but. uh all right thanks everybody and until next time